0: Do you want to start us off
1: sure okay five dollars says i'll get the id wrong
0: no you've been doing so good don't jinx it don't look may the blessings and luck of decorative gourd season rain down upon you and you'll get it right
1: all right here we go here we go we're serious people
2: that's one thing i've come to learn about rva dirt
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) we're good for a good we're good for a laugh (sighs) That's you true. gotta laugh about this stuff, man. Some of the, sometimes oh this stuff you gotta you if you can't laugh.
2: Oh my gosh! Yeah, absolutely.
1: With that in mind, welcome listeners to another COVID edition of RVA Dirts Municipal Mania,
0: a Mania 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 spooky Mania. Yeah, <laughs> it's my favorite time of the year. I've just gotta keep slipping it in there. <laughs> pumpkin spice mania yeah right. i'm that basic girl who's like
1: yes it's pumpkin spice time i can't heard right here every wednesday at 11 o'clock a.m on wrir lp 97.3 fm richmond independent radio she did it y'all she did it see only took me two years
0: and in the magic of the decorative gourd fairy
1: sprinkled pumpkin spice on there. <laughs> and my dogs oh they're very excited You said
0: pumpkin spice, and they were like, bitch, where? (laughs) Oh, the puppies. Oh, I'm going to go on mute while they chill out, and and Fran finishes up introducing I got it.
1: But this week, we are winding it down. We're on the second district. Yes. And we're missing um, a candidate, but today we are lucky enough to have with us the incumbent. Introduce yourself. For school board.
2: Name, Scott Barlow. I'm the second district school board member, and uh, it's a pleasure to be back, guys. Thanks a lot for having me.
1: Yes. Welcome back. Welcome up.
0: back. <laughs> Yay. Hey. Hey, puppy. Everybody's welcoming you back. Everybody says,
1: Hey. <laughs> Yes, welcome back to the show. You've been on a couple times, a couple times, so adding a few more take marks uh, towards your green jacket.
0: <laughs> One day, I'm, I am swear to God, we're going to have little blazers or something to give people that <laughs> we keep do. coming we need back. To get
1: bla- at least a blazer pin. I mean, something.
0: y'all deserve something for putting
2: up with us. That would be a distinct honor. And I assume that 10 or more, you can get a tattoo. Oh, with- hell yeah. <laughs> Okay.
0: A tattoo. We'll get you a sh- a shovel of spade.
2: Okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's dedication.
0: Could you tell us a, a little bit about uh, yourself just a little bit, you refresh folks and, and you know, kinda let's talk about maybe some greatest hits from this term.
2: Oh, All right, sounds good to me. Yeah. So I'm uh, as I mentioned, I'm Scott Barlow. I've I've served on the Richmond School Board for the past four years. It's been a, a tremendous opportunity, a real honor to be able to represent the second district. And um, my for my day job, I'm, I'm counsel for a company called EAB, and uh, we're a higher um, education best practices and technology and marketing firm. And, uh, and then, of course, you know, the, a lot of the passion in my life has, has really been devoted to public education and how we improve public education, uh, in particular here in Richmond. So we've had uh, quite a past... Uh, turn this this past four years, we've we've certainly run into our challenges, but but I'm really proud of a lot of that we've a lot of what we've accomplished. We've been able to uh, increase teacher pay every year of our term, as well as pay for our uh, custodial staff and um, other other folks who work in the school district. I think there's been a, a real focus on advocacy on both the state and local levels for funding for our school district, and you know it's it's clear that we RPS has had historic funding challenges, and we're continuing to advocate, especially uh, as we have hit some uh, unprecedented challenges here during the, uh, I guess, the COVID era. And then, um, you know, especially of late, but I think it's been a, a real focus of our board and the administration for the past four years. We've, we've been very focused on um, equity in our school district, how we appropriately allocate resources throughout the school system, how we handle disciplinary matters in RPS, uh, what we can do to reduce arrests, what we can do to reduce um, long-term suspensions and expulsions, and ultimately what services we need to provide to our students um, in the school system to, to help address a lot of their social and emotional needs. So, you know, that's the, the kind of work that I think uh, we we need to be really focused on in the next four years. And I think a lot of that really is exacerbated by some of the challenges that we're facing, as we know that the pandemic does have a disproportionate impact on on a, a lot of our, our students and their families. So uh, RPS is really proven to be uh, the most effective and important social safety net to our students in the Richmond area and um, and it's important that uh, we continue to serve our families as best we can.
1: Since you're the incumbent and you've served for the past four years, um, I guess give your constituents I guess a little bit a mixture I guess a mixture of what you're running again on this year for re-election if it's a continuation of some things that you've either been doing or if it's something new and how you've continued to manifest those things. Or if you decided that maybe those things didn't work and you changed it and you decided you wanted to do something else. What's propelling you to run again?
2: I think one thing that I I definitely stay true to and intend to stay true to moving forward for the next four years if elected is is really the values that I bring to the table. And I I do consider myself to be a a pretty um, progressive guy. And I think it's it's really important to um, focus on some of the systemic challenges that we face as a school system and also understand that that takes longer than four years to, to fix many of these issues. And it takes sustained, consistent leadership to, to fix a lot of these issues. So uh, when I was running four years ago, I, I wanted to see a focus on teacher retention. I wanted to see um, improvement with our school facilities. I wanted to see a uh, greater emphasis on uh, advocating for the, the resources and the funding that we need, of course, um, improving teacher pay. The teacher pay gap in Virginia is is dramatic. And, uh, and that's something that I think we need to continue to focus on. And uh, over the Past four years, you know, we've we've been able to address a lot of a lot of some of these challenges in part, but it's not one policy or one budget cycle that's going to to um, s- sort of fix all of the challenges that we're facing. We have to be sustained in our efforts to improve our facilities. Constructing three new schools is is great and it's important, but uh, it's very clear that we still have a failing facilities throughout the school division. And we've, we've invested a ton of money into fixing boilers and fixing roofs and fixing air conditioning units. But I, I know that we still have challenges in many of our schools that we need to keep, continue to focus on. So, of course, reevaluating our uh, facilities plan, continuing to advocate for the resources that we need on on both the city and state level is going to be important. And that goes for our operating budget as well. You know, I'm, I'm very proud of the fact that we've been able to hire many more counselors and nurses and um, more staff who can support our um, ESL learners or English as a second language learners, but you know, like, like I said, we, we have to continue our investments and continue um, to think strategically about how we improve in the long term. So, so that's the kind of stuff that I'm, I'm you know, focusing on. But when I was really getting down to the point where I had to make a decision about whether I was going to continue in, in this form of public service, we, we were really starting to um, enter the COVID crisis. And, uh, you know, shortly after I joined the board, we went through a significant leadership change. We um, we ended up getting rid of our, our superintendent. We had nearly full turnover of our entire school board. By the time Jeff Boren ran for delegate, we had nine new members on the school board. And it was clear that it's very challenging um, to go through that type of institutional change. And it's really challenging to lose so much institutional knowledge. Uh, so when it was, um, when it was clear that, that this was going to be one of the um, most serious threats to our public education system that we've seen in decades, by that I'm talking about COVID, you know, it, it felt really important to me to, uh, to, to, to make sure that we have effective leaders in place, that we have leaders in place who understand the school system and leaders in place who know how to get things done. And that's ultimately why I wanna keep uh, keep advocating for our students and keep the focus on the safety and health of our students and the social emotional well-being of our students and I know if we we focus on those issues that we're we're going to see improvement in educational outcomes too because we've got incredible teachers in our school district and um, I'm confident that uh, with sustained support and additional support um, like we've been trying to focus on for the past four years we're, we're going to be moving the needle significantly.
0: Let's talk about curriculum a little bit and what you think maybe your role is. With COVID, uh, things have changed <laughs> a lot. Curriculum-wise, everything has to be virtual. We don't know for how long. But also, you know, we've had social movements going on all spring, summer, and now into the fall. How do you think maybe uh, Richmond Public Schools' curriculum is lacking in talking about social movements in Richmond's history, and what do you think your role is in
2: maybe changing that? Yeah, well, I think... It's as important as ever that we have curriculum in place that um, can help our our young people uh, understand the context of what's going on in our communities, right? So many of our young kids, in particular, they may they may hear that there are demonstrations going on, and they may see that the statues are are painted different colors. Um, and they may see that that we've you know that we've changed school names you know uh, we've got obama elementary now we've got henry Marsh elementary now and that's all great and i think that helps us move in the right direction but what I really want to, to be able to focus on with our students is to provide that historical context, and and in particular in Richmond, uh, an understanding of the complex and, and really challenging history that we've had with race relations and um, and things of that nature here in in the area. So I'm I'm actually pretty excited because we are um, we are creating a real history course uh, in Richmond, which is um, which I think will really help. Provide context to our students in the Richmond area. In fact, I've got um, I've got Ben Campbell's book here with me, and I know that he was really involved with um, helping to set up this curriculum. And the the goal is to be able to to create um, versions of of those offerings for um, for both elementary and middle school as well. So that's one piece, understanding what's going on in Richmond. And then, of course, I, I think really focusing on which is challenging. Um, but really focusing on how we teach our students or encourage our students to be critical thinkers, right? We have so many media sources competing for our attention. There's um, really questionable news out there um, on a day-to-day basis. And, and our, you know, the ability of our students and future generations to be able to discern in the information age what's reliable and what's not is going to be increasingly important. And, uh, you know, when when you look, you know, when you turn on certain, you know, news sources, even if they claim to be, fair and balanced, and you see propaganda all day. We need students and we need people in our communities who can look at that and say, wow, this is really over the top. Wow, we have, to, we have to be able to discern and understand what's really going on. So I think fostering that intellectual curiosity and the ability to discern between different types of information that our students receive is very important. Critical and, and thinking. That, critical thinking, right. And, and, you know, teaching and encouraging critical thinking, even though there's so much pressure, on many of our families and many of our students to perform well on standardized testing and balancing that out and really understanding that our kids have intellectual needs that that far uh, far surpass what you can challenge on a, uh, you know, on a, on a Scantron or on a, uh, you know, a computer-based multiple choice test. So that's what I'd really like to be focusing on a, on a broader level. I, I am optimistic about the some of the new curricular offerings that we've provided in RPS. I think it's, it's been a tough year to implement them for our teachers. We're asking a ton from our teachers right now, right? We're asking them to go virtual. We're asking them to implement new curricula. Um, we're asking them to continue to lesson plan and try to provide additional supports for our kiddos, all virtually. And it's it's tough. And I couldn't be more proud of our teachers and our, our students and our families for rising to the challenge throughout this crisis. And, and just having eyeballs glued to, to our screens is, as long as our students and teachers have been... Um, been uh, required to do so is is really tough as well. So I'm, I'm glad that we'll be making some adjustments to our schedules in the in the coming weeks to uh, help reduce screen time and focus more on asynchronous learning as well.
1: With that in mind, as we're um, kind of thinking about some of the changes that have happened and the history, I'm I'm excited to actually see how that history course takes form. I'm I'm really excited about that personally myself. How do you feel? Because You know, the protests and all of that has kind of, I'm sure it's affected the way that council and a lot of our local leadership will look at policy change and look at the way that they draft policy. How do you plan to work with maybe your city council person, whoever that might be, when it comes time to make better innovative uh, decisions for the second in terms for your students?
2: yeah I think that's you know the 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 demonstrations that we've seen in the aftermaths of of some of these really horrific um murders of of many um black and, and brown folks in our country ha- has been a cause for reflection um in the police response to the demonstrations as well um you know I was at one of the um one of the demonstrations it was actually the second night when they were happening in in Richmond and I was standing back and I had tear gas um shot at me and, and rubber bullets shot at me when I was just standing there with a camera phone. You know, of course, I wasn't getting involved in any, you know, unduly disruptive behavior. I uh, just kind of wanted to see what was going on. And, um, and then we've seen time after time uh, that kind of be, the treatment and, and behavior with activists throughout our community uh, ever since. So it it really has been cause for reflection. And, and also, you know, what um, the relationship of our students, many of whom live in communities that are over-policed as it is. What they're experiencing in the classroom on a day to day basis. And, um, you know, when we were actually in a school board meeting, when I saw that we had one of the, uh, another violent reaction to demonstrations at the um, now Marcus David Peter Circle, which is just a couple blocks from me. And I heard that going on. I saw Twitter blowing up and Facebook blowing up. And, you know, at that point, I felt like enough is enough. We really have to take a look as a school system about what we can do to really show our students we care in these challenging times. So, so one thing that that I have encouraged is is a review of the MOU, and and I hope that we'll ultimately um, be removing SROs from our school division, and we'll be um, providing more counselors and more social and emotional supports, and restorative justice practices, and trauma-informed care practices. Uh, to help address some of the root cause of the behaviors that that ultimately manifest in in arrests and far too many arrests one hundred and twenty one arrests in RPS last year, three out of the four schools uh, with the most arrests were middle schools and that's just that's just too far. So you know when it comes to uh, collaborating, I think this will be an early thing that that I'd like to get done with my counterpart on city council um, and with those on city council, which is to see how we can go about. Because these are not RPS employees, but see how we can get some of the, the resources that would otherwise be allocated to um, police and in our school system to provide more social and emotional supports. But of course, it goes, you know, it goes beyond that. Uh, we we have to be able to collaborate on any number of issues from uh, facilities planning, whether that's what we do with um, vacant properties in our school division, uh, how we go about constructing new schools, um, being clear about what budget expectations are and what needs we have in RPS. And, uh, and that's something that I I really hope um, and expect, I do expect that we'll have a member on council in the second district who will um, be receptive to the needs of our school division. And and I'll be able to work with this person either way. I know both Catherine and Savars quite well at this point, and have worked with both of them in, in different capacities. So I'm, I'm optimistic about the opportunity for collaboration moving forward in the 2nd District.
0: Excellent. Our time is up, <laughs> and that's a shame because this is great. Um,
2: but Sorry, I talked so long.
0: <laughs> no, this is awesome. I think uh, people need to hear these things. These, uh, these are questions that matter. So thank you so much for taking your time to join us, and um, good luck in your race. But first, can, before we go, can you let people know how to contact you?
2: Sure. You can uh, always reach me via text or call on my cell phone at 804-616-3132. Otherwise, you're welcome to go to uh, my website, which is votebarlow.com. You can submit inquiries there or you can reach me at uh, at scott at votebarlow.com if if you'd like to get in touch about the campaign or anything like that. And then, of course, uh, information related to um, school board Contact information is on, online as well. I encourage you to email me or reach out anytime.
0: Thanks so much. Good luck in your race. And I'm sure Thank we'll you. hear from you again soon.
2: I'm hoping so. Thanks, guys. I'll talk Bye.
0: To you soon. All right. Welcome, folks, to the Second District edition of the RVA Dirts Municipal Mania Candidates Forum. Yay! If Fran jumps in, she jumps in. If not, we'll wing it! I'm excited. We have a first-time guest here that I've never spoken to before. We're meeting for the first time. It's very exciting. Would you mind introducing yourself and tell us a little bit about your background and why you chose to run for Second District City Council? Great.
3: Yes. First-time caller, long-time listener. Happy to be on today. (laughs) My name is Catherine Jordan, and I am running for City Council in the second district. I was born at St. Mary's um, over four decades ago. Me too. Uh, oh neat. All right. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my, my kids are so sick of me talking about that every time we drive by St. Mary's. You know mom. We <laughs> you know you from there. But we it's landmark occasion. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I was born at St. Mary's. My dad taught history at BCU, and my mom taught history at the University of Richmond. And I grew up in Henrico. And I loved coming down to the city. We you know, would go to the Diamond, we would go down to Shaka Bottom, um, VMFA. Like I always thought I was a Richmonder. It wasn't until I moved back here as an adult with my own family and realized, oh, I lived in the county. So ecstatic to be here as a real Richmonder and um, bringing the experience that I've accrued in other cities. I've lived in other capital cities, other college towns, um, Austin and Dallas and Texas as well as New York City and Hong Kong, and then smaller communities like Charlottesville and Durham. So I bring that experience with me um, as I seek to sit on city council. And then a little bit more about my background, I have an undergraduate and graduate degree from UVA. And the second time around, I studied urban and environmental planning. So professionally, I had been a project manager for urban design master plans. Um, that was when I was in New York City and in Durham. And, you know, we're just at a time right now where we've got some master plans that need to be implemented. Richmond 300, the James River Master Plan. We have the Green Master Plan. And I love cities. This is what I love to do. This is why I went back to graduate school. And um, I'm just very enthusiastic about the direction Richmond is headed. It's a tough time right now, but I really truly believe folks are ready for substantive real change that's gonna be, you know, long-term and lasting. A little bit more about myself. So that's my educational and professional background. Here in the city, um, I started following city government because of the schools. So my daughters were at Fox at the time, and I'm sure you remember (laughs) this vividly, going down to city council and the massive outpouring of support for the city budget. And people lined up to speak, and it was like, for hours. Um, You know, the one teacher brought in the tile that had fallen on her head. And you had people from all different backgrounds, whether they had kids or not, begging city council for more school funding. And that experience stayed with me, and I kept, I'm still advocating for school funding. So schools are a big reason why I'm running in addition to my interest in, um, you know, using my skills as a a city planner. And then lastly, to reference from my background, I would say sustainability is a core, um, you know, passion of mine. I'm in my second term on the Green City Commission I was a Dwight Jones appointee and recently spearheaded the net zero 2050 resolution. I'm also a green champion for the Green New Deal. And I'm just very passionate about the fact that we're in a climate emergency. You know, this shouldn't be up for debate. We see it across our country, around the world. And, you know, it's, I think we're finally getting people to pay attention to the issue New York Times wrote up and referenced our Heat Island maps. So that was exciting. So I probably should pause at this point and let you get a word in. But that's me in a nutshell. Born in the Richmond area, passionate about our schools, about the way cities are organized, um, and the environment.
0: Let's go ahead and kind of bounce off of the city planning stuff and go into, normally I'd kind of start out and ask you what you want to do with the second, but since you mentioned your passion for city planning and, you know, maybe seeing our master plans through to fruition, God, wouldn't that be amazing? We've had a lot over the years. Uh, Let's talk about that a little bit more. Let's expand on that. Uh, What would be your plans? What's your vision for Richmond as a whole?
3: I would say the three that excite me the most that have a transformational opportunity for the city would be Richmond 300, specifically in the greater Scotts Edition area. Um, and of course, I'm more focused on the things that are in the second district. So there's a lot of opportunity in that part of Richmond 300 to address some issues that the city has been kicking around for a while. So the city owns some of the land in Scotts Edition, and they could, they can control the fate of it. So we're talking about an opportunity to create affordable housing, mixed income housing, to lay out a new park, the Crescent Park. If, if anyone's been on the Richmond 300 website, you've probably seen that new park that they're suggesting to connect sort of like the Science Museum up on into and through Scotts Edition. So I'm excited about that part of Richmond 300. Um, it also covers a lot of very important topics as far as you know, equity and connectivity, transportation issues. And then pivoting off of that for a moment, if you look at the James River Master Plan, here's another great opportunity to, do, to invest in an area of our city that has really not gotten the attention it deserved. It's a huge revenue generator for us. I think it's something like $38 million in tourist funds that we get each year. We need money. Anyone who comes on your show to talk about whatever initiative or thing that they want to fix for the city, probably is going to take more revenue. So here's a master plan that had a lot of community buy-in. That could bring more revenue if we could invest in it. So sometimes you have to spend money to make money. Uh, I'm very excited about that master plan. uh, In particular, because not only does it have the opportunity to create revenue dollars for us, but also it's, it's an asset that is underutilized in our city. People want access to green space. They love going down to the James particularly right now, I feel like we're really on a cliff of a mental health crisis nationally. So the more you can get people outside connecting with nature, you know, off of their screens and decompressing the better. So very excited about the the James River Master Plan. And um, the third plan, I was, well, actually there are two more, sorry. Um, You're right. There's so many plans in Richmond. So (laughs) many plans. (laughs) So um, the other two, the, uh, the green plan, RVA Green 2050, you know, sustainability you know, is, again, something that gets me out of bed in the morning. I'm a lead accredited professional, so I've worked on, you know, making sure buildings were as green as they could be. Um, so that is a plan that has, you know, concrete steps that, um, you know, from what a resident could do to make their own environmental footprint smaller to what the city can do. You know, talking about things like let's electrify our fleet um, when a lease comes up on a bus pivot away from natural gas, switch to electric, because natural gas is not a renewable energy. Um, and then the last one, and this really will be the last plan I talk about, I promise, is the new <laughs> plan for the commemorative um, park and museum down at Chaco Bottom. I think that's the, much in the way that the James River is completely underutilized. Um, you know, we've got a story to tell in Richmond that too often is really um, you know, sidelined, and it's a, a painful story, but it's also an American story. And I think people are, are ready for it. You see it when they come down to the statue. Um, they wanna talk about what is happening. They wanna talk about where you know, their roots have come from. And I think that's also another opportunity to increase revenue for the city, because I do think it would be a tourist draw. And I just think it's important that we get right by our own history and you know, stop paving over um, the black parts of our city's story.
0: Your district is a melting pot, really. You've got VCU. uh, You've got homeowners. You've got renters. You've got businesses. There's a lot going on there zoning-wise. How do you see yourself governing for all of those people? Because, I mean, some would say that the current occupant of the sea governs for some. People want to elect someone who governs for all, right? Uh, How do you see yourself doing that?
3: Well, I would fall back on two sets of experiences that I have. One would be my planning background. If you've talked to anyone who's ever gone through the UVA planning department, they really drill into you that your client is the expert. And if you're a city planner, your client is the person living in that community. So I would take it seriously, getting out across the district, you know, as I've been doing now, knocking on doors and being in community meetings, to hear like, okay, well, what is your need? What is your concern? How can I assist you as your representative? So that would be one important thing. And certainly that would play out as the master plans are implemented. Like we've got to make sure people understand what's happening. We have to be strategic, thoughtful, and, you know, like sincere in actually wanting input from our residents. Because too often I feel like these meetings are done at times that are not convenient, just because you invite people to come to the DMV at, you know, 7 PM on a Tuesday does not mean you have done community outreach. So we've got to go to where people are, wherever, wherever that may be, if that's a Zoom meeting, if that's going to the church, if it's going to a PTA meeting, I will be there. I will knock on doors. I've, I've done that many times, and I enjoy it, even though I'm an introvert. So that would be one part that would draw on to make sure that I'm representing everyone in the district, whether you're in Sherwood Park or down here near VCU. Um, the other experience I would draw on is having been on the FDA board, the Fan District Association board. My first involvement with FDA was chair of the Parks and Trees Committee. And I really enjoyed that. I mean, you heard from everyone. People are passionate about trees. They're really passionate about the dead trees that are in their (laughs) tree wells outside of their house.
0: We love trees. (laughs) Yeah, we We have like, what did Jeremy Hoffman say? Like 40,000 empty tree wells?
3: Yes, I talked to someone who thought like, oh, they tried to argue with me. I think I was trying to talk to someone as they were walking into early vote that maybe there were like 400 empty tree wells. I was like, you could just look down the street and, and see that, that that cannot be the case. So yes, that was a good experience. And then, so I served as the president of the Parks and Trees. I also served as president of FDA. And then I served as Grant's co-chair. So in each of those different roles, you, know, you, you got a real um, you know, crash course in what neighbors care about and how, they, how passionate they are about the city. I've got some experience hearing from people, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and knowing how to balance what's coming in and knowing how to objectively weigh, is this the loudest voice? Is this the real issue? Is this somebody's just personal acts that they're grinding? Because you have to take into consideration your whole district. Uh, It's not just who's calling you the most often and who goes on next door and and all of a sudden creates a uh, petition. That's to me not, Not getting to the heart of an issue and not good
1: governance. All right, it looks like Fran has entered the building. She had a bad signal. bad connection in Africa. I mean, sorry. <laughs> you were way out. Since you're running for city council, one of the things, uh, city council is responsible for passing the budget. And uh, one of the things that school board definitely depends on is you guys for giving them monies to do those great things that they're doing. If elected, how would you collaborate with your school board representative in the second district to get that mojo going? Because that's a very important relationship that should be you know, hand in hand, but sometimes it's not always that way um, in a lot of our district relationships that we have now. Do you think that's important?
3: Yeah, so I definitely think that's important and the schools are one of the reasons I decided to run. So I would look to be you know, an active collaborator, not just with our school board representative, but also with our, you know, our teacher groups and our principals. I am passionate about our schools. Why can't we be a city that people move to because of the schools? not to spite, like let's make that a goal, why not? If we don't make goals, we're never gonna to get to them. And we're rich in history, we've got code RBA, we've got all these amazing assets. We've got so much volunteer you know, power here in the city. Um, I, I, really, I really see that that could be attainable. Now we would have to, you know, got a stretch to go to get there, but that's the goal I would like to see. And I would be an active partner on that path with the school board rep. Um, with our principals, with our teachers, and with our parents. People are invested, they want RPS to succeed. And the superintendent, you know, I think Cameron's, I mean, boy, he's trying to, I've never seen someone try so hard in a job. And I was active in the Dreams for RPS visioning sessions. You know, I went down to those meetings and participated. And, um, you know, I saw they actually, the input that we put on those, you know, sheets of paper that were taped up on the walls, I saw it in the end result. So I feel like that was gratifying. Um, I do hear, because I also listen to the school board meetings, that the teachers and parents don't necessarily feel like they're represented enough on the school board. I'm not; it's not just a, a channel between me and the school board. I'm also representing the parents, you know, in those families and the teachers.
1: In this COVID time, one of the things I think that we all feel right as constituents, regardless of where we are, we've had disconnects, right? Not only with each other, but with local government and just each other in general, right? Because we can't touch and feel on each other. And, you know, we're kind of disconnected, you know? During this time, one of the things that has driven so much, I think, change in the city um, has been a lot of the protest. And this has definitely been a time where people are just really fed up, right? And COVID, I think, uh, that prompted a lot of pent-up energy, feelings, change, as well as the continuation of, I don't know, like six, eight, ten summers of um, police brutality, back to back to back to back. How has another summer but a protest-fueled summer, especially for Richmond, change your viewpoint on policy or your impact on the way that you view policy if you were to be elected right now on uh, city council?
3: Yeah, a couple things. One, I agree with you. It's been um, just a tremendous summer of, you know, just sort of overwhelming. But when it comes to policy in regards to, you know, the events of the summer, I would say two things. One, it's another reminder that when you put off hard discussions and hard changes, it's going to catch up with you at a certain point. So the city had put off dealing with the monuments, the city has put off dealing with our eviction crisis, the city has put off dealing with living wage, put off reinvesting in our schools, and it all came home to roost this summer with the backdrop of this pandemic. That would be one thing. Uh, The second thing I would say is, (laughs) again, if you do not have the the people experiencing these issues at the table making policy you are going to have bad results so activists have been asking for the Marcus alert for years nothing had happened until we reached this total crisis point um, and then you know i'm sure if we had had a civilian oversight board with subpoena power i don't think we would have seen people getting gassed down at the circle i really don't so you know i'm very much against the militarization of rpd um, we should not be gassing or shooting bullets at people. We should not be targeting for political reasons our, our residents. So when it comes to policy, I would just say, let's not make the same mistakes over and over again. Let's engage people earnestly throughout so we don't reach these crisis points.
1: Thank you for that. Well, just that fast, we're out of time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I okay. could have just,
0: I, I talked to you for a while longer, but you know, it's equal time.
3: No, I get it. And it's so much fun. My kids do not want to talk about this stuff. So thank you.
0: <laughs> we love talking about this dorky.
3: <laughs> oh, no, I call you guys when you're, I mean, if I'm not watching, even when I am watching city council, I'm like, oh, I wonder what RV Dirt's taken on this. I <laughs> this don't right. bring out, have they brought up
1: smoke alarms yet? Because Reba just said it.
0: Bingo. Oh, my God. And there's a lot of stuff, too, that we don't even post.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Because <laughs> we just don't even want to get dragged down into the deep dark pits of the underworlds of the twitters
3: it's a scary place i mean i was <laughs> not on twitter really until i ran because i mean you have to meet people where they are during covid especially
0: twitter um, is a, a tough place uh twitter yeah. has got like
1: some, no it's an alternative universe really
0: tough yeah <laughs> it's definitely it's an
1: alternative wild, universe a wild
0: list.
3: thank you guys This was really fun i didn't know what to expect but i enjoyed it Yay. Well,
1: before We don't you know go, what to expect ever too. This <laughs> is <laughs> not a surprise. It's always something, I tell you. Well, before we go, tell our listeners and your cons- future constituents, good luck on that, how they can reach you, keep up with you, learn more about you, what platforms you're on, how they can connect with you and seek more of your information.
3: Thank you. I have a website at electcatherinejordan.com. Elect Catherine, Katherine K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E. Jordan, J-O-R-D-A-N.com. And from there, you can find me on Facebook, you can find me on Twitter. And, um, you know, I'm in my 40s, so I'm not like the most tech savvy person. I do have an Instagram account and uh, breaking every campaign rule by having different names for each of those accounts. So you're gonna have to work for it, but there's good content and it's gonna be worth it. Well, I would just say to anyone listening, if I cannot convince the two of you, maybe there's someone listening, don't count yourself out of public office. You know, we need everyone who's interested in serving to give it a shot because too often
1: it's the same folks over and over again. This, Ooh, is, yes. true. this is true. I will gladly support other people.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to support other folks, especially the ladies. Yes. Well, thank you so much. Good luck in your race and hope to talk to you again. Yeah. Yes. Thank you guys.
1: Take thank care. See you on the
0: Twitters.
3: <laughs> thank, yeah, please.
2: Please
1: be kind. We have with us the wonderful. Introduce yourself.
4: I am Tavares Spinks, candidate for a Second District Richmond City Council.
1: All right, and oh I think this goodness. is your first time on the show.
4: Yep, that's my first time. Thanks for having oh me.
1: Yes. Hey. Welcome. Welcome.
0: Welcome. And what an auspicious occasion! So have you come on here first? It's <laughs> exciting.
1: Yes, yes, yes.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about your background?
4: Happy to. I grew up in the the East End. I'm a fifth generation Richmonder. Um, uh, so that's five generations all living in Churchill or Fulton Hill or Fulton Bottom. Um, and I uh, went to school. You know, I, I got free and reduced lunch at school, and uh, I was the first in my family to go to college. Um. And when I, went, when I went to college, I went to VCU, and, uh, you know, I saw an entirely new world in Richmond. Uh, you know, my family, because we're all in the East End, I didn't really come down to uh, sort of the near West End and Central, any, any much past Central City, very much growing up. So coming to VCU opened my eyes, both like from academically, but also just um, ge- geographically, like in the city. Uh, Richmond has... So many amazing things. Uh, the 2nd District is an amazing place. Uh, there, there's density here. There's sidewalks. There's, there's, there's bike infrastructure that is, is getting expanded. Um, but also, they're, they're both in back and Fulton, um, here, there's problems uh, throughout the city that, that, you, that in, in, in many ways, unite the districts. Uh, for example, potholes, that's a problem everywhere. Um, and even if it's not a problem in your immediate neighborhood, everybody drives um, or bikes or has an interaction with the roads uh, that can be, that's negative because of the amount of, of disrepair. So that, that's sort of one of the, that's an example of the main things I'm running for, which is like to get back to the core issues that, that affect citizens across the board. So what that looks like is roads, sidewalks, Uh, stormwater abatement and and fixes there. We were seeing folks this past summer has been really wet and lots of folks' yards have been flooded. And, you know, there there are things the city can do and hasn't done to to fix those issues. So that's sort of the core. Second from that, you know, I think I'm a unique candidate in this race in that, you know, I've seen, I mean, I grew up poor in the East End and now I live in one of the more wealthy parts of town. And, you know, I, I know that the second district a lot of folks think of as just, just the fan, but it's also Carver, Jackson Ward, neighborhoods in the north side, including Rosedale, Sherwood Park, parts of um, Ginter Park, and then all of Scott's Edition. Um, so with that in mind, you know, Scott's Edition is a growing part of town, but there, there are no there's no sidewalk infrastructure. Um, like if you're a pedestrian walking through, through Scott's Edition or if you're a driver and you're trying to cross, go north-south, uh, it's very difficult to see oncoming cars, um, if you're biking that way, it's a similar problem. Uh, there's a lot of amenities or, or attractions in Scott's addition that aren't linked together by sidewalks that make it easier to get around. Um, so, and I'm, I'm sure you've had other council candidates on, I like, sorry, I know that you've had other council candidates on that have talked about uh, the, the sort of sidewalk issue, and that's something that I think there's enough political will to get something done, to, something significant done for sidewalks across the city.
1: So tell us what out of all the times and you kind of a little bit answered that, you know, what made you run right now? right in the time of covid and the time of so much uh social injustice and everything is kind of you know everything kind of came to a head right now what may you personally run right now
4: yeah so i had considered running i would say about a year ago now maybe a little more uh just the thought was entering my mind it's like okay there there's stuff going on in the city council. i'm not a fan of a lot of, especially a lot of the no votes uh, there's a, there's been some pushback on some uh items among other things. Also, just sort of the general, the less, well, I mean, this is all all sides, but the council's relationship with the administration isn't, has not been as productive as I should have liked to see. Now, that being said, council has, the city council has voted no on a lot of things I wanted them to vote no on. (laughs) So, you know, but so that, like, stopping bad projects, or pro- when I say bad projects, I mean projects that don't have co- community input at the beginning, the community benefits aren't uh, clearly spelled out, The and if, and if it's a building project, uh, those projects that aren't released to a competitive bidding process. Uh, right now I'm involved in, uh, I'm a healthcare uh, IT specialist and uh, Part of my, what my company does is we bid on jobs for, for work and sometimes we use a multimillion dollar contracts. My last project was for 15. Uh, so it's Medicare um, and it was 15 states. We're, we're doing a new implementation for care management system. And it was about 30 million dollars um, my, was my section of it. Um, And, you know, we had to respond to these contracts, uh, these requests for proposals, RFP. uh, And, you know, there was some give and take. And at the end of the day, like, I think that we, both sides, we won the contract, first of all, but at the end of the day, I think that the state's got better service out of it, but with having that back and forth in a relatively open process. I say all that because we have seen that not happen in the city. And it's something I'm passionate about. Folks pay a lot of money in taxes, fees and services in Richmond. I have seen the pay stubs before I'm doing what I do now. I used to work at a bankruptcy law firm for 12 years, Bowman law firm, and uh, my job, most a good deal of my job was doing intake. So I see thousands of pay stubs uh, a year because, you know, I'd, I'd see anywhere from 10 to 15 people a day and I'd have to review all their pay stubs and and put all that in the system and then help them come up with a financial plan uh, with a consultation from the attorney. I know how much people pay for childcare, which is crazy. Like it was more expensive than my, my, my tuition. And part of that's because I didn't, you know, um, I didn't board at VCU uh, that's one of the reasons why I chose it. Uh, but childcare is crazy expensive. The, the amount that folks pay for water before they even turn on the tap in Richmond is insane. You know, our utilities cost more than our surrounding counties, even for the ones that we are, we're providing. Um, and no one's really, t- I mean, these, these used to be bigger issues that folks talked about um, on the city level, like a few years ago, and I feel like no one's talking about it anymore.
0: I remember. Uh, so I,
4: <laughs> okay, you remember, thank you. Yes, 100%. I guess. <laughs> right, and like, and every time I see a water bill, uh, you know, I think, wait a second, <laughs> they thought I forgot. So I say all that again, just because, you know, so that sort of the, it's hard to make it in Richmond and there are things the city can do to make it better. And I feel like folks are being overlooked and left behind. That combined with the, the social climate that we're in now, where again, folks get overlooked, left behind, not included in decisions regarding who polices their community, what uh, the uh, opaqueness behind what uh, the use of force is for the police a department, for example, like these are all things that I think a lot of it comes from the same place, which is, you know, sort of a place of, well, the city's kind of going to do what they're going to do. They don't really care about anyone down here. And that's just how it's going to be. But I, I I say no to that. So that, that's part of, that's why I'm running.
0: The second is like the great Richmond melting pot. So it's super diverse. It's got a lot going on. So you got VCU, you've got homeowners, you've got renters, you've got lots of businesses. How do you think that you will govern that and govern everyone.
4: Oh, that's a, that's a good, I mean, that's an interesting way to put it because I, I view it more as um, being collaborative. Wh- however you feel about second council district um, city council folks, uh, if you talk to residents who have normal interactions with them on a regular basis, they will tell you that their council person is super responsive to their needs. And generally speaking, tries to, to get things done and is generally available or their liaison is available. So I think that, that's, that's sort of the key level, like being available to constituents, being, understanding their needs, and, and then responding in kind and doing what you can to address their issues. Yeah, there's competing interests though in, 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 in the second, like, like you said, because there is long-term residents, Um, in all neighborhoods, new development, new growth, and it's a high demand area as well. And then, then of course, there's the business community. And sometimes, especially, I think the best best way to think about this is, um, or the best example, rather, is parking. Parking is a standard sort of friction area between residents and nearby businesses because residents want park, permanent parking. The business community wants, wants more parking for folks to actually come and, and use their businesses. You know, I, I try to take those issues, for example, and get everybody to come together to like, it, okay, if everybody has an issue with parking and something that I'm passionate about and a lot of other second district folks are passionate about is transit, walkability and bikeability, then why don't, we can all agree then Probably that we should expand uh, access to transit uh, in the second district and connect connect to the rest of the city and also expand protected bike infrastructure so more people feel feel safe to, to bike to a business and same thing with sidewalks so, so more people feel that it, it is you know that they want, <laughs> that they won 't trip and fall uh, unnecessarily in, in a walk to a business actually, as I say that, I remember. <laughs> There was a time at VCU when, like, you, let's say you're walking down Grove Avenue, and you're walking, you're walking, and you then hit, you hit a brick, a loose brick. And then like, you start to do that walk, run thing. And then from nowhere, and you didn't see anybody around from nowhere, you hear someone say, welcome to Richmond. <laughs> I, th- yeah. I don't know if that's still a thing, but Kinda that's like- happened to me at, <laughs> at least two or three times. And then I'm being honest, like in my younger days, I might've also been the one saying, welcome to Richmond. I'm, I'm running to make sure that, that, that those sort of issues are fixed. And I don't, want, I don't want it to sound like that I'm just focused on 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 sidewalks for bike lanes, et cetera. But but I think these are good examples of areas of um, intersectionality where your issue meets my issue. We can have some agreement and some movement
1: in a time of <laughs> so much social change, really, because of some of the things that really are just a continuation. I feel like a seven summers and nine winners of <laughs> so much stuff, right, in the black and brown communities, but just. In general, in life, with the social uprisings that have been happening, especially this summer with the protests and things, how do you feel this summer's course of events have affected or will affect how you see policy and how you plan to write policy on council if elected? Because I'm sure if these things didn't spark a change for mm-hmm. a lot of people to run yep. this time, you know, they definitely probably affected the way that people will now look at how they draft papers and resolutions if elected on council.
4: So I would say um, that this, well, rather, I'm saying (laughs) that this, uh, what we've seen in Richmond for me and how how I will uh, use that. Uh, and and think about protests, et etc. Um, when making decisions on council, I'm going to be bolder. For years, my my pen tweet uh, was a picture. Uh, I think it was from Barbados of a slaved unchained, a sta- large statue, and I said, "Dear Monument Avenue." Now, this time, Lee, uh, Robert Lee still up. I have great hopes that that statue will be gone within the next several months, uh, at least. You know, now the conversation is, "Well, what do we do with these spaces?" You know, and um, when it comes to things like uh, um, uh, something in the space of civilian re- reward, as I understand it, most council candidates uh, support such a measure. What, we, uh, what we've seen from the city, I think, is a little, at this point, is not well-defined enough. So, you know, I'll be looking towards that. But all that, again, all that to say, I think what we've seen is shows me what is possible. So my background is in... Um, you know, political activism, organizing, volunteer vote, um, uh, folks out to vote, knocking doors for candidates, knock thousands of doors for dozens of Democratic candidates. Uh, and, you know, that was always my theory of change. But I see that there's, there's another theory that's also possible, which is that collective action um, can also affect change. And I will take that into account because I honestly never thought, especially after the last commission, I never thought I'd see the monuments come down, um, and at least while I was... Before retirement, at least we've seen it happen almost overnight. Um, so I'm going to be bolder than 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 I might have otherwise been, and I, I really think the folks, I mean, all around who have uh, you know expressed their views and gotten feedback from the council, from the mayor, from governor um, about these issues, like it's it's been it's very heartening. And I will tell you, we talked a little bit before, um, maybe before before we started uh, when we were chatting about 2016. You know, I did, for me personally, a lot of 2016 felt like going through the motions and so much had happened by then that, you know, I feel like folk, we weren't being heard. When I say we, I mean black folks. When we were telling you, you know, of our experiences, like, like there's an old Dave Chappelle sketch I think I've talked about before. maybe Well, not on here, but uh, there's an old Dave Chappelle sketch where uh, someone gets stopped, like his, he's driving with his white friend and he gets stopped and, he, and the white friend says to the officer, I'm sorry, sir, I couldn't do that. And then Dave's like, what, does this work? He's like, oh yeah, it works all the time. And like, it's like, ha ha, funny, that's great. Um, you know, I now I say all this because I thought because of the, like that joke, like things like the Spells show and other <clears throat> media yep. that, uh, that has been consumed by everybody, white, black, et cetera. I thought everybody was on the same page. Like we knew what the truth was. We knew no. that this happens and it wasn't until like Trayvon Martin, Trifo- until, you know, Tamar Rice that, that no, I realized no, that, man. no, we're not on the same page. No, you know, like I, and it, it, right, exactly. And I, um, it really affected me, uh, deeply, um, you know, and I will say that I, I don't, I'm not gonna say I lost hope, but I lost a good deal of it. And this summer gave me a lot more back. Like a, I'm significantly hopeful. And, and for me, hope is the reason why I keep, keep doing this. Like win or lose, I, I still plan on, you know, trying to affect change. Uh, as much as possible in this community.
0: Well, I have one more uh, quick question before we wrap. You have a lot of economic opportunity areas in your district, Mm -hmm. and especially um, in the Diamond area, and that has kind of stalled out. Do you personally have any ideas or plans for that area to kind of jumpstart it the talks back up again? Because I didn't ask that of anybody else, but I got asked that today. And mm-hmm. so I figured, well, I'm talking to you, might as well ask.
4: So regarding regarding the diamond area, for me, the long story short is I, I support uh, the goals set out in the Richmond 300 plan and a lot of the... Um, so yeah, I support the goal, the overall goals and a lot of the details um, there's just a couple things that, that give me pause. For, first of all, and I haven't, some residents have brought this up and I'm, I'm, I can't, I'm still trying to get a better sense of how much of an issue it is, but basically the, the move to call uh, the area east of Broad Street sorry, East of Boulevard and North, uh, Arthur Ashe Boulevard and North of Broad Street to call that uh, Greater Scots Edition. I get real nervous when we talk about renaming neighborhoods because uh, some folks wanted to rename uh, sort of uh, areas of Jackson Ward city center, you know, and like that is literally erasure. So like right now, <laughs> right now, like a, a good deal of that chunk of land is is sort of industrial um, State-owned the diamond or the, or the diamond, but there are neighborhoods uh, adjacent to there as well. Um, I haven't heard, I've heard some hesitation about that. Um, it, but basically, as long as it doesn't that designation doesn't go too far north, it's probably okay. So that that's sort of my first like issue with like the Richmond 300. The other thing is that the new plan also calls for a diamond or a a, um, a stadium of some kind, and for that I again talking about process. You know, I'd need to see the numbers to make make it make sense to me. Like, I, I think that uh, the diamond is a decent is, is a is a great attraction. It, it you know, like the, the squirrels have done a great job of drawing crowds when we could have them. Um, but uh, for me, it's going to come with the numbers. Like, what what's your math? Is this going to be open process to build this new stadium? Like, what what's the city going to be on the hook for that stuff? So broad goals, I support. When it comes to the details, I might I might have some issues. Maybe I should say what some of those broad goals are. Some of those broad goals are like increasing density, so building housing and including some affordable housing uh, and connecting that to uh, existing transit networks and also expanding transit networks. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, and. No matter how you look at it, Richmond is a growing city, which is great. We had been losing population from the 70s up until the 20 teens, I think. Um, but like growing, growing population means growing tax base, but it also means that there's a higher demand for houses and, if we don't, and housing. And if we don't build more and build more in a smart way, keeping in mind that there are residents who exist here and also people making sure that there's affordable housing. So the, like thinking about that from the beginning, but building more housing so that we can house more folks uh, who can live here that can afford it. I have a whole I have a whole thing on affordable housing and how you can achieve that. I've talked to maybe a dozen uh, experts in this space, you know. No one has like the 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 home run answer I think, but I think a combination we could get there.
1: Well, as we're wrapping up, we would love, for first of all, good luck on your race. Good luck. Good luck, good luck. And we want to see that continued enthusiasm throughout the city. Uh, Whether you win or not, we still need it. But please tell your constituents, your future constituents, what they can do to connect with you, where they can find you, how they can hear more about your platform, connect with you, donate to you, et cetera, et cetera. Sure.
4: The best one-stop shop for for all of that is... Uh, my website tavarrispinks That's T A V A R R I S S P I N K S dot com. And then um, I am very active on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at uh, t virus. That's T E E virus. In uh, an I suppose an inauspicious name, since I just. But you know, I'm not changing it. I'm not changing who I am. It's <laughs> you. T <That's> virus. <laughs> you
1: got to <laughs> be you.
4: Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Well,
1: thank you for coming on today. We surely appreciate your presence with us. And we want to make sure that we welcome you back post-election. Yeah. yeah i love so to. So that we can have fun without all this candidate mumbo-jumbo stuff. <laughs> oh, That's excellent. That might be kind of right. great, yeah.
4: Now you can have a list of complaints if I, when I come back if I'm elected.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. oh, you Let me tell you about yourself right here. Thank you, listeners, for joining us for another week of candidate forums. Thank y'all for listening. And again, we've got one more week left. No, we've got two. We no, got
0: mayors too, you know.
1: No, that, in the districts, boo, in the districts. Oh, in the districts. In the districts. The, <laughs> the mayoral thing is, a, is another level. A whole other thing. This first district, this last one we got, this first district. Oh, blech.
0: It's going to be a doozy, y'all. So um, if you do have safety belts on your desk chairs or wherever you live. Buckle them in. Please buckle them in.
1: <laughs> bring alcohol
0: it's a zoom party uh you can absolutely bring alcohol
1: i will not be in my traveling office for this one i will be at home with my seatbelt on what <laughs> so we are just so thankful for all of y'all support thank y'all for joining us thank all of the candidates for participating it's been a journey we're happy that you guys are still listening with us and whoo you know trump got COVID, but he got to take a joy ride around in the car with COVID. Oh my God. It's wild. He's a super spreader. But you know. Your taxpayer oh. dollar's hard at work. Y'all know what time it is. So it has dirty water. So does New Jersey. RPS was fully COVID, <laughs> but that don't mean nothing because COVID was like, not today, Satan. Mm-hmm. Give me some more. Give me some more. Even though we're getting money, you could give me some more. And I know it, you know it. We all know it together. Richmond is most certainly still racist, but we're working on it. Talk to you next week.
4: Have you noticed that pumpkin spice is more
2: popular this fall? It's
0: popular every fall, honey. Pumpkin spice is delicious.
2: You're right. I love you.
1: Aww, I love you too, pumpkin. We can do a better job at what we've been trying to do. hmm. Put words on and mouth space on, right? Right. Physicality, too. But there's no. There's no pumpkin
4: spice powder. Oh, that reminds me. I got to get something with pumpkin spice in it. Yeah, you do. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a a convert, you know? Yes, sir. It's it's taken how many years, but now I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is great. It's delicious. I didn't even use pumpkin pies. We're a sweet potato pie family. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, you know what? They're good. I'll say it. And I'm not afraid to say it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.
0: (laughs) Grant, you're cutting out a little bit. Can you get like closer to your mic, maybe? What? There we go. Can you can you boomer up the screen a little bit more? Oh my god, boomer up the screen! Oh no,
4: I'm gonna have to write that down because you know I have a lot of Zoom town halls, so right and meet and greets.
1: This This is our show now. I <laughs> know, like,
0: oh what's God. going on in my nasal village today? Boy, um,
2: <laughs>
0: <Lord. laughs> <laughs> Bring it down. See, I, I can't hear you. No, can't hear me? There you, see, I can hear you now, but you're, like, going back and forth, and all I need you to do is, is ask him for contact information. Oh
1: I got it. And
0: close us out. But, you I, but you're, can like, you? back and forth. Can you hear me now? Yes.
4: Yeah.
1: Sure.
0: Yes! Yeah. Say it now! Yes! Say it now! I oh, we still got you!